0: We're in a series of messages going straight down through Hebrews chapter 11. I hope you like that kind of preaching. I don't, you don't pop around and, and preach whatever you want to preach. You just take the next verse. And, and so this is our seventh or eighth week, I think, that we have been in Hebrews uh, chapter uh, 11. And what we've seen throughout Hebrews chapter 11 is that this is really not what everybody seems to call it? it is the hall of fame of faith which puts emphasis on the people who exercise faith instead of what the the book what the chapter is there for to show us what faith does and it teaches us what real and what genuine faith does faith is an action faith is a verb faith is just not something that we have or we feel that gives us goosebumps it's, it's an action and a verb in our lives. And all the way through Hebrews chapter 11, we get hit with that over and over and over again. We've learned in Hebrews chapter 11, we've learned this, that uh, in Hebrews chapter 11, Abel offered a better sacrifice. And offered a better sacrifice than his brother Cain did. We learned that faith pleases God. We, we learned that Noah... Uh, built an ark even though he didn't even know what rain was which means faith takes God at his word faith takes God before there was ever such a thing as rain the Bible says the the, the ground was watered by underground springs God told Noah to build an ark because you're going to have a flood and didn't have any clue what a flood was Okay, and so uh, faith took God at his word and built an ark Abraham had no clue where he was going God just says you go you need to leave this country and go to the place I'll show you. Where are we going? I'll tell you when we get there. And that, that believing God, that trusting God is remembered. Uh, that Old Testament uh, example of trusting God is remembered in the New Testament. He believed God. Didn't know where he was going, but he took God at his word. And that's what faith is. I've told you before and I'm sure I'll tell you again. Faith is not in believing God, believing in God. Believing in God has nothing to do with the Christian life because the Bible says in James two nineteen, the devils believe in God. The Bible says, and they tremble. James two nineteen eighteen, 18, somewhere along there. So it's people that believe in God will go to hell. But it's the people that believe God, that take him at his word. They are the believers. They are the people that have faith. We said last week that Abraham's wife Sarah, even though she was barren, she believed that God could do something in her life and she birthed a child. She believed the promises of God. She took God at his word. We said last week through the story of Abraham and Sarah, that was certainly an imperfect faith. But she's remembered in the New Testament. uh, Old Testament faith, remembered, uh, remembered back, looking back on that, and she believed God. When God said, I I will give you a son. Now, there's about eight verses in Hebrews chapter 11 that's, that's dedicated to Abraham. And we'll finish with Abraham here today. Because in Hebrews chapter 11, verses 7 through 19, we read these words. By faith Abraham, when God tested him, offered Isaac as a sacrifice. Can I be dead level honest with you? I hate preaching this. Because I don't know if I could have done it. I'm just going to be honest. And I, I, don't, I don't like to preach things. I don't like to preach where I'm not living. And I don't know if I could have done it. If God had told me to take Christopher or Levi. Levi. By faith, Abraham, when God tested him, offered Isaac as a sacrifice. He who had embraced the promise was about to sacrifice his one and only son. The promise of that child that God was now telling him to sacrifice, if you know the story of Abraham, Sarah, and Isaac. Even though God had said to him, it is through Isaac that your offspring will be. And now the circumstances of Abraham's life was, I had to offer Isaac at an altar. Abraham reasoned that God would even raise the dead. And so in a manner of speaking, he did receive Isaac back from the dead. So in, 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 in Abraham's mind, even though he was called to, to lay Isaac at the altar, he, had, he, he was called to sacrifice him. In his mind, the Bible says that he knew God would raise Isaac from the dead. God would keep his promise. But evidently he's going to keep it by raising Isaac from the dead. I don't know if I could have done that. This is, teaches us something about faith. These verses teach us something about faith. Faith trusts God even when the circumstances of our life seem contrary to His promises. Now, now, now rest with that a little bit. Faith trusts God even when the circumstances of our life Seem contrary to what he has promised. Um, Those circumstances for Abraham's life certainly seemed contrary to God's promise at that time, but he trusted God. One of the the biggest sins that I think we as Christians make is we lean on our own understanding. I I think it's one of the biggest things that hamper us and cripple us in our Christian life is that we lean on our own understanding because the circumstances of our life is there. They're right in front of us. And as human beings, we want to figure them out ourselves and, 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 and get wrap our brain around them and we're just told to trust God through that even though the circumstances of our life don't look really good. The Hebrew writer here is teaching us that this is what faith does. Even when the circumstances of your life go all haywire, you still trust God you still believe his promises. I don't know what circumstances of in your life have, are not real good right now. had a woman in my office this week and she's had a lot of stuff in her life. I don't know the reason for all the stuff. Obviously I've lived long enough to know that probably some of it was her fault, some of it was the fault of other people. Did God test her? I don't have any clue on when God tests and when just circumstances of life test. I don't understand all of that. But she was, in a, she was in my office and she was reading me from her text message. She was reading me things that happened to her since she was three years old. This lady's probably 50. And she just started reading. And she says, I feel like God has abandoned me. By the way, I got permission for this lady to say this, even though I'm not mentioning her name. She said, I feel like God has abandoned me. And the reason she feels like God felt like God has abandoned her is because of the circumstances of her life. And there was a lot of bad circumstances of her life. She's dealt with a lot. And I thought of this passage. The Bible says faith clings to God, believes God, even when the circumstances of our life seem contrary to what he has promised. She says, I feel like God has abandoned me. Well, that right there is contrary to his word, right? He says, I will never leave you nor forsake you. Even though the circumstances of our life may look like he has, His word is yes and amen. We praise God for what He's done. We praise God for what He's promised. And faith clings to the promises of God no matter what the circumstances of our life may be. What are you going through right now? What are the circumstances? First of all, we should not be thrown off course by the circumstances because Bible plainly tells us that Christians are not promised an easy life. Nowhere. You just can't find that in, the, in, in God's Word. In fact, you'll you, you find the contrary there. As I've told you many times, in this world you will have trouble, Jesus said. In this word, world you will have trouble. And somewhere along the line we've got the idea if we're a Christian that God will protect us and we'll go through life unscathed. But that is not the testimony of the biblical characters from Genesis all the way to the end of the Revelation. That is not the testimony that they give us. True faith believes God even when the circumstances of your life seem contrary to the promises that he's made you. I don't know what's going on in your life. Are you a widow? Are you a widower? Has your wife left you? Has your husband left you? Have your kids gone haywire? We could go on and on and on about the stuff that Christians go through. But biblical faith believes God despite the circumstances of your life that seem contrary to what he's promised. I hope this lady didn't think I was being a smart-like, but in the middle of all of her... God has abandoned me, God is punishing me, da 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 da. I've Heard it a lot. And I looked at her with hopefully a loving look on my face and and said, "Um, Well, where are you going to turn to if not to God? Who's offering you a better deal? So how does your life become better if you turn tail and run from God? How how does that help your life? You feel like God has abandoned you. Well, that's obviously not the case because that would make him a liar because he says, I would never leave you nor forsake you. But how's your life helped by you just forsaking your faith and turn turn back on God? Where are you going to go, man? Where are you going to go? Faith clings to God no matter the circumstances of our life and no matter if those circumstances seem contrary to what God has promised now let's go back to verse 17 that we've already read and it says by faith Abraham when God tested him I don't really understand God testing uh He seems to test some people biblically. I don't know how much of the stuff that we go through in life are God's testing or just a result of the circumstances of life. Uh, I've told you this before. When I look honestly at my life, most of the trouble I've gotten in my life has been self-induced. It's been, I didn't trust God. I backed up on God. I leaned on my own understanding. But can I tell you something? That no matter if it's God testing you or the circumstances of your life will test you, can I tell you that your faith will be tested? And my faith will be tested. I don't know the source of all that faith, I don't know the genesis of all that faith, and it doesn't really make any difference. But our faith will be tested. Ryan Haynes is a football coach, high school football coach. Let's say that his athletic director schedules his regular season, he schedules him a bunch of patsies all the way through his regular season. He wins every game 64 to nothing. You know what he's gonna do in the first round of playoffs? He's gonna get beat. Because he hasn't been tested. He hasn't been tested. He hasn't been refined through the difficult games. And when he finally plays somebody that's good, He's going to get beat. This is what Paul says to us. Paul says something that none of us do. We we all think we're obedient people, but none of us are because none of us glory in our sufferings. That's what Paul tells us to do in Romans chapter 5. We glory in our sufferings because we know that suffering produces perseverance, perseverance, character, and character, hope. Now, I've never gloried in a single suffering I've ever had. I'll just be honest with you. But I know, as a basketball, high school and college basketball coach, I know that our teams got better in the tough game. Well, let me, let me be honest with you. They either got better or they got worse. They, 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 they either stood up to the test or they wilted. And we can do that in our life, too. We can either stand up in faith to the circumstances of life and believe God through them or we can turn tail on God and say this isn't for me. I've seen people do both. I've seen people do both. So you know, you know that during difficult circumstances you either get better or you get bitter. How many times have you heard somebody say that? And this is what we're talking about. Test are meant Whether that test comes from God or that test just comes from the stuff of life, tests are meant to refine us, tests are meant to make us better. James writes in chapter 1 verses 2 and 3, consider it pure joy my brothers, I've never done that either. Consider pure joy, my brothers and sisters, when you face trials of many kinds because you know that the testing of your faith produces perseverance. Most of you can look back. Most successful people can look back on their life and they can testify today that through the difficult times in their life is when they grew. Most unsuccessful people, they wilted on those difficult times. And they stuck their head in the sand and said, woe is me. Paul says, James says, when you face many kinds of trials, you need to rejoice because you know that the testing of your faith makes you stronger. It develops perseverance. James continues to say in verse 12 of chapter 1, blessed is the one who perseveres under trial because having stood the test, that person will receive a crown of life that the Lord has promised to those who love him. Peter takes the same vein and continues in this in 1 Peter 1. Now for a little time you may have had to suffer grief in all kinds of trials. These have come so that the proven genuineness of your faith, which is of greater worth than gold, which perishes even refined by fire, may result in praise, glory, and honor when Christ Jesus is revealed. Um, The circumstances of life are meant to make us better. They're not meant to make us bitter. The faith-filled person will continue with the circumstances of life and continue to walk with God. Uh, Admits questions, admits doubts, admits I have no clue what's going on here. The faith-filled person does not lean on our own understanding and does not make an idol out of our brain that we have to figure everything out. A faith-filled person even amidst the circumstances of life they cling to faith they cling to God even though what he's promised seems contrary to what's going on in our life. Now when you're in one of these circumstances in our life and I could call names of people out right now that are looking at me right now and call your situations out and I won't but people that are dealing with very difficult situations the circumstances of life You have understood that in this world you will have trouble. And I could call out some atrocious circumstances that are going on in some people's life right now. You know one thing I found out? No matter how atrocious my situation is, I can find somebody who's got it worse than I do. So how do we deal with it? I thought of a secular statement. It's a secular statement, but it, it follows a biblical principle. What do we do when the circumstances of our life are, are just, is Sue in here? I hope Sue's not in here because she'll get mad at me if I say this. <laughs> the circumstances are just kind of crappy. Sue thinks crappy is not a very preacherly kind of word and she's probably right. I hope there's not a board meeting afterwards. Some situations just kind of crappy. What what do you do? There's a secular statement and it says to bloom where you are planted. That's a secular statement with spiritual principles behind it. I don't know what else to tell people. I don't know what else to tell this girl. I have no... uh, She can go to all the counselors that she wants to. There's no medicine that can be prescribed. There's no secret formula. I don't know what to tell the, the, the young woman in my office this week about all this stuff that's happened and that's all back in here. other than it's behind you and your rest of your life is in front of you and you can choose to bloom or not bloom where you're planted do you know joseph was planted in prison old testament story of joseph he was of no who suffered more injustice in their life than joseph did joseph was planted in prison right But he rose to the second command of all of Egypt. Moses was planted smack dab in front of the Red Sea and the Egyptian army behind him. It was a moment of faith and trust for him. Daniel was planted in the lion's den. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego were planted in the fiery furnace. And I could go on. And on and on. These are are biblical characters, friends. So if these people went through hard times, why shouldn't we think that we will not have to go through those difficult times? I could go on and on. And we're called that wherever God plants us, in, in the midst of whatever circumstances there are, we're called to bloom where we're planted. So, I got this one, one little saying for you that I you may want to write it down, you may want to put it on your refrigerator or on your mirror. It, it's true friends, it's true. When we're rooted in Christ it doesn't matter where we're planted. When we're rooted in Christ it doesn't matter the circumstances of our life. Oh, life could be easier, sure. But he's promised that his grace will be sufficient he's promised we will get through remember last week i said sufficient or two weeks ago i said sufficient means just enough in in the original language doesn't mean that that god's grace is sufficient that he's going to pick you up and deposit you on the other side of your trouble so you miss it all no he'll get you through the trouble do you, do you remember, I don't, I, I don't remember it all, it just came to my mind, but you remember the story in Acts when Paul was shipwrecked? God, God told Paul, Paul, I'm going to get you through and nobody's going to be killed in this shipwreck, in this, in this real bad Hurricane Ian that they were in at that time, okay? And, and the story goes, they all made it safe to land, yet some of them were just holding on to the ship that when it splintered, they just made it paddling, holding on to a little splinter. Now, that doesn't sound, it sounds like God ought to do something more than that. But God promised that they'd make it to land and nobody would be killed, and he kept his promise. And his grace was just enough. They made it to land, holding on to a piece of wood because the ship was blown apart by the hurricane or whatever they were in. When you're rooted in Christ, it doesn't matter where you're planted. Are you rooted in a? Are you rooted in a difficult marriage? I can imagine how hard it is, and you know when it's so much easier for me to preach this than it is for you to live it and me to live it. When we're rooted in Christ, it doesn't matter where we're planted. He's enough to get us through. I just can't stand it anymore. That's why I think, and this is a difficult thing, and I've had a lot of people call me out on this. That's why I don't want to stand in front of God after just committing suicide. And I think a lot of people that commit suicide are mentally ill. And I think God's grace is great in that. But I don't want to stand before God after just saying, nobody in this world can help me. There's no hope for me. That is the most anti-Christian statement you could ever make. Now, I hope everybody that commits suicide is mentally ill. But think about what the statement is. I have to take matters in my own hands. I have to lean on my own understanding. God is not strong enough to get me through this. Bloom when you're planted in a difficult marriage. Bloom when your kids are way off in a far country. Bloom when you've got a lousy job and your boss is treating you bad. Now, that doesn't mean you have to stay there, but until you find something better, what is moaning and groaning and going to help by the grace of God bloom Abraham in a way that I'll never understand despite the circumstances of his life which was taking Isaac to the altar he clinged to the promise of God believing that God would raise him from the dead what are the circumstances that you're struggling with it's an opportunity opportunity For your faith to be refined. For your faith to grow. And after that situation is over, you will become more faith filled or you will become less faith filled. Um, Jesus faced a pretty difficult situation. And he basically told the Father, would you take this cup from me? I don't want to do it. Those of you who know what I'm talking about know, know it's the cross. You know Jesus told the Father that he didn't want to go to the cross? He said, would you take this cup from me? Now we have that as, as one verse in Scripture and I, I don't know of the hours that night that he fought that battle, that spiritual battle. But somewhere, as we know, because it's recorded in Scripture, he comes to the point that says, nevertheless, not my will, but your will be done. And so when we come to the table every single Sunday, we remember a lot of things. But one thing that we remember is because of the power of the blood of Jesus Christ, we can overcome the circumstances of our life. by faith by faith and our servers are coming to the table And let me add one little caveat and then we're done can i be honest preacher you you may never see the fulfillment of god's promises in your lifetime that doesn't mean that his promise won't be fulfilled You just may not see it in your lifetime. And there's people who died in faith yet seeing what God has promised. I think of Joseph in the Old Testament who said don't bury my bones in this land when you get to the promised land that God has told us we'll get to then you bury me. He had not seen the fulfillment of that promise but he died in faith. You may not see the fulfillment of the promise. It may not happen in your lifetime, but could you die in faith? Because his promises are yes and amen. Lord, this is called the meat of the word. And everyone sitting under the preaching of your word today, whether here or on the internet, that they can, they can relate to this in some way, some bigger, some smaller. But Father, I, I, I pray that all of us will be faith-filled people, even when the circumstances of our lives seem contrary to what you've promised us, that we'll hold to faith will hold to what you've done, to what you've promised, to what you've said, because your promises are yes and amen. In Jesus' name, amen. Our tables and our altars are open. I'll lead the rest of us through communion in just a moment.